This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast from Mercedes-Benz Studio. Studio. Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. After Oregon mercifully gives up 49 to, to three to the Bulldogs, defending national champs, number three Georgia. Bad for America's couple, Jared Mack. Pretty pretty sombering. Humbling, humiliating, embarrassing performance uh, by Oregon. Um, all three of us picked Oregon to, to lose this game. I don't think any of us, me in particular, picked Oregon to just get throttled, though. And this was not a competitive game. Yeah, I had Oregon losing by 13 points. And they lost by 46, which, by the way, was a Chick-fil-A game, kickoff game record for the worst margin. So that's not... I hey, you're in the record books. Yeah, that's good. Surpassing Alabama versus Duke, which, <laughs> as Jared, Jared and I pointed out, that's not good when an Alabama-Duke game was closer than a Oregon-Georgia game. When, when you're worse than Duke. Yeah, yeah football at, team. at football. Um, but anyway, no, I, you know, I... I so yeah, I thought it was going to be closer than this. I did say I thought like in the first half it could be. I was like twenty four seven was my first half prediction. It was twenty eight to three. So I felt like okay maybe they'll turn around the second. The second half was worse. Um, the offense actually moved the ball decently in that first half. Um, you know, kicked a field goal, a couple drives that were kind of encouraging, ended interceptions. We should probably yeah. talk about some of the Bo Nix stuff. But second half was just pretty underwhelming up until the final drive, which saw the ball go all the way down to the two yard line before unfortunately they weren't able to convert. Um, on fourth down, an incomplete pass from Knicks to Terrence Ferguson, which could have been the only touchdown of the game. And, you know, honestly, I think this is the first time since 2017 Oregon has not yep. scored a touchdown. Is that the Stanford game? No, it was, it's it, Washington. It was Washington with Braxton Burmeister oh, at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and this is the most lopsided uh, game for Oregon from a loss perspective since the year prior against Washington at home when they lost 70-21. to So... Um, it's been a minute since the game has gone this way from an Oregon perspective where they've gotten just absolute boat raced and where the offense has done very little. And believe it or not, like we can get to this in a moment, I think the offense was better than the defense today somehow. And yeah. I, I don't know if it was that close. Yeah. Um, and, and yet you're looking at a game where they scored three points, they gained how many yards did they gain, Jared? Or Matt, we've got our stat books uh, open. Georgia here. had 571 yards of total offense. 439 through the air. And Oregon had 313 yards total offense, which is an okay number. Um, the issue for them was two turnovers and then some kind of rough sequences on third down in the second half. There were five, I think five of eight in the first half on third down. Yeah, they were good in the first half. They finished seven of 15 on third down. So two, two for seven in the second, which is not terrible. No. But it's not, again, it's not ideal when your opponent goes eight for nine or nine for ten. Nine for ten. Nine for ten. Nine for ten. Yeah. Uh, just which the tenth. Failure didn't come until like the fourth quarter with yeah. seven minutes through, to go in the game. When their second string offense was in. Um, just quick observations about the game to me, just to 
yeah. just a complete blowout. This this potential was in my head, but I didn't just didn't really see it happening. Uh, Georgia is just a substantially better team at, at this point. Again, this is Dan Lanning's first first coach game. Still getting in everything. Still, it, honestly, it felt like they were still implementing new defensive schemes out there because of how much communication error there was. Uh, it kind of felt like they were learning it really the defense did. while they were playing. Like they they were, didn't, I mean, it was pretty rough. There were multiple moments during the game where the, there's communication and, and one player thinks the other player is doing this when he actually does that. And it just made it, things a lot harder for Oregon when it was already going to be difficult because they're playing Georgia, who... Again, this is this is a team who I know they lost a lot of players, but as I've been saying, they're they have a lot of dudes. And honestly, the the names that we mentioned a lot on the podcast weren't even the guys on defense or offense who were doing really well. That's just how many guys they have. You look at Darnell Washington only had three catches for 33 yards. He had that one great one. Arik Gilbert had one target. Um, Brock I mean, Bowers, this is a big one right here. Brock yeah. Bowers had four targets, two receptions, and 38 yards. If I would have told you that was his stat line, you would have said the game's probably kind of close. But again, this is how many guys Georgia just has, and I think the the people underestimating how good Stetson Bennett is. He's uh, from compared to last year. To me, he looks clearly improved. Or Oregon's defense might well, be that bad today. Well, here's what it was though, is and, and Bennett Williams covered this in post game a lot. Is they basically just did the same thing over and over again. Yeah, which they just throw attack the perimeter. Just attack the perimeter, throw it to the flat screen game, and Oregon was just a step slow defensively. And no buddy, it's funny because a buddy of mine texted me this whole offseason. Uh, Jaworski Bennett, the new speed coach, has been sending out these tweets about how Oregon has all these guys who are like more than 20 miles per hour fast. If that's the case, Georgia has like guys who are like running 40 miles per hour. Georgia was just yeah. faster every their, single time in open space. Their ability to go east to west was substantially better than Oregon's. Unless, how how many times have they been trying to throw vertically? That, Not was, very often. Ben Williams said like once, yeah, yeah once they, or twice, and one was an incompletion at the end zone nearest to us. Yeah, again, Brian Addison, and then I frankly I don't remember the other one. Uh, well, I mean, the other one of those that does come to mind is when Justin Flo absolutely annihilated Ben. Ah, yes. uh, Stetson yeah. Bennett. But that was like a 30 yard pass. But like, the point is, they had 300, they had over two quarterbacks, like 450 yards passing. And like, I think the depth of target was probably like an average of like five yards. It was very evident um, the speed difference on the perimeter yeah. between these teams. And we were riding up the elevator with Brandon Marcello, 24 7 Sports, after press conferences. And. I think we've all kind of said it when we said it to him that this game exemplifies the talent difference between the handful of teams, if even even that, yeah. of teams that are competing for a national championship and then that next tier, yeah. which Oregon is in, because this wasn't competitive and Oregon couldn't do anything on the perimeter on either side of the ball. They couldn't run really outside. They had to run between the tackles if they were going to get first downs. They couldn't attack screen game, they couldn't attack short outs, anything in the passing game, they couldn't go over the top of Georgia on, on deep attacks through the air, and then they couldn't, like you guys said, they couldn't they couldn't defend the screen game. Georgia didn't have to throw the football because no. all they needed to do was throw it real quick out into the flat and their speed would take over. This exemplifies the talent gap between the two teams, and I don't think any of us were predicting a college football playoff run for Oregon this season, but it tells you where how far they are from legitimately having a chance um, in that kind of a discussion point. And real quick, tangent, Go for I it. ended the podcast of the previous show, I asked, what's worse, like getting blown out and not having a chance or having like your just heart pulled out from you in the last, last second, second loss? Yeah. This is way worse. 
Really? Like, I still think that that being ripped out at the very end is way worse. I, I just felt like there wasn't... I mean, Bennett Williams really said, said it best. Like, there really wasn't anything that they could do today to stop Georgia. And I think that feeling, like, no matter what you do, it's not going to work. That freaking sucks. Um, I still probably would rather uh, this than losing on a last-second play. But I will also say, like, this was not competitive, and the hypothetical we were talking about was like more like a... Like, even the Utah games last year felt more competitive than this. It, it felt like if, if in the Utah games, like, hey, maybe if they can come out in the second half and score quick and then get yeah. a stop, and then they're, they could get back into this. This didn't have that feel to it at well, all. I, I feel can, like, we, can we talk about... Okay, you go ahead. I, I I one, more, yeah, one more thing before we touch on that. Okay. I, I feel like it was the idea that against Utah, like in the last two games, if they scored quickly and then they might be back into it, that's because they were playing Utah, Yeah. and this is Georgia. We know exactly what Georgia did last year, but we've also known what Georgia has done over the last like 10 to 12 years and how they are the second powerhouse in the SEC outside of Alabama. And Georgia, just like every good team, they, they took advantage of mistakes. They had 14 points off of you know, Bonix's turnovers today. And granted, that wouldn't have meant anything in the long long scheme of, of the total score. But at the time, you know, it was a 14 nothing lead for Georgia when Nick threw the first pick, and then it just kind of deteriorated after that. Um, no, I think it was seven nothing after the first pick. But go ahead, sorry. Fair enough. The uh, you want to jump on the yards? Well, after I just it just was because we talked. This, talk, was, I this is a continue. This. this is a continuation of the point we're making earlier about. The passes on the perimeter. Matt, can you see over here? No. Okay. How many yards after catch do you think Georgia had today? Yards after catch? Yeah. So, yes. so yeah. They had 439 passing yards total. Yes. How many, so, how many after catch? Uh, I'm going to say 350. 310. 310. It's nasty. Man. That's damn. That's bad. Here's, here's Kenny McIntosh's line. Nine receptions, 117 yards. 119 yards after catch. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So much of what they did, like, I mean, you go down the line here, like, uh, Lad McConkey. It's like two thirds. Five catches for 73 yards, 59 after catch. Uh, all, all of Dewan Edwards, another running back, all of those came after the catch. Darnell like, Washington, same yeah, thing, 25 out of 33. Kendall Miller. Kendall Miller, running back, eight, 18 yards receiving, 24 after the catch. Like, all, all of this was basically every yard gained by these guys was in the screen game. I'm not everyone, but almost, I mean, the majority of them were in the screen game and just. Oregon either missed a tackle or these guys just had a ton of space and got up field. I mean, it was it was devastating. The speed differential was just astronomically high. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very impressive. I don't know what else to say. That's 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 really really tough. Um, but if do, do we want to do? Let's let's talk. Let's, should we keep going some negative? Then we'll go glass half full at the end. <laughs> I think there's more negative to, to talk about. I mean, about. you got more negative. Go ahead. Well, just a couple things here that just stood out. Sure. I, I included in my story was you know I. I I wrote it down when I was watching um, the coaches show on Thursday with uh, Joey Mack and Jerry Allen and, and Coach Laning, and he you know, mentioned one of the big things about the first week of college football is three sloppy things ha- happen the most frequency. Missed tackles, turnovers, penalties. Um, check, check, check. Yeah, yeah. Cr- especially in that first half when this lead was built. Jerry touched on the two interceptions, Bonex threw. First one, I'm not even going to like make too much. I, I, you know, He took a shot downfield. It was first down. I'm happy that you're taking shots downfield. Right. I don't think it was a very high percentage chance of that being completed, but okay, you took a shot. The second one I thought was pretty that was bad. Pretty bad. Man. Was I, pretty I don't, even if I think it was Smith who made the interception, even if he doesn't jump that thing, I don't know where that's going, where it's a completion or something positive. And then the, the penalties, a um, couple of false starts that were pretty costly. Yeah. Justin Flo 
absolutely like the, the best defensive play of the game from an actual hit perspective was on this play when yes. Flo just destroys Stetson Bennett, but it's 15 yards. It extends a drive. They score, I think, two plays later. Um, and, uh-huh. then, and then missed tackles. I, I, they don't track that in the stat book. And Oregon is lucky. Because I think that got to double figures probably. Uh, yeah, easily. I think it was near double figures after like the first quarter. It felt, at least it, it felt, felt like, and, um, you know, obviously a, a little bit of a hyperbole there, but it did feel like they were missing tackles. And because, you know, Georgia put them in that position to miss tackles of going in the open field and, you know, th- their receivers today were just awesome in blocking. You, yep. uh, like I can't. I'm, uh, frankly, I'm kind of excited to go back and watch those guys in those moments because they held their blocks. They 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 held on Oregon's defensive backs. Uh, Christian Gonzalez was like seemingly a non-factor in the tackle game. You know, Trequis Bridges had his moments, but you know, Oregon. I, I, truly, I think they had some decent open field tacklers, some good open field tacklers going into this game, and Jamal Hill and Bennett Williams. And Jamal Hill was good tonight, and Bennett had his moments too. But I thought that their exterior blocking was so good, and they didn't even bother coming into coming interior and trying to go through right up Oregon's gut. Guns also have the best tackle of the game now for Oregon. Oh, hands down. Oh, yeah. At, At the, the goal, line. line. At the well, goal line. Are we counting flows as a tackle? Which one? The one where he just annihilates. No, that's not tackle. Oh, okay. He got penalized for it. Yeah, the ball got out. So th- those were the uh, those were the negative. That would be the best hit. That was the best was hit of the, the best day. Hit. I thought that Gonzalez. I mean, it doesn't. Who, who really cares? They scored the next play, and Oregon lost by forty six points. So we shouldn't spend too much time. I thought it was really impressive. Though, Good like, play. It, it looks like I think it was McIntosh is just going to like easily reach the end zone, and like Gonzalez just yanks his leg. Upper out body of, strength to yep. pull him down. I, I was impressive, but that was really. We talked a lot about Gonzalez's offseason. That that was. One was of the better plays, it? but like the other thing is, is like to be fair, like again, they didn't really attack the outside receivers at all. Like lads, no. lads, a slot guy, and McMacintosh is a running back, and those were, those guys had 15 of your uh, 37 targets on the day, and 30 or yeah, 14 of your 30 catches were to basically. I mean, how many outside receivers caught passes? Like uh, Adonai Mitchell, Kyrus Jackson, and I don't even know if anyone else is considered an outside receiver. Seven. I, I, yeah, I don't know who. So I think that legitimately they had the seven Edwards, seven so receptions to outside guys out of your thirty. So I mean, I, Gonzalez probably was fine. Yeah, if you want to be honest about it. But injuries, there were some guys that didn't dress that were surprises. Um, there were also a couple guys that got hurt. Um, Ryan Walk did not play in the second half. He was replaced by Marcus Harper at left guard. Um, we did not ask. I, not just the three of us. Anyone in the media did not ask Dan any injury questions. I think maybe the the collective group is figuring out. Dan doesn't talk injuries, so we'd yeah. love to know, but we're not going to get an answer. Ask a question that we're going to get an answer on. I also thought he like we like, didn't get as much talking with him as I thought. We only got we seven got and a half minutes. minutes. I thought we were going to get like twelve, and so like, I thought I was going to ask an injury question, but I don't know. If, like I, there was so much to cover that like yeah. asking what happened with Ryan Walk was like kind of out on the back burner. Yeah, so yeah, walk like Matt mentioned, and then Popo Amabai, we didn't spot him on the sidelines, so we're not... He'd been dealing with a foot injury or something. It's like a left left calf, leg. calf, lower leg kind of thing. I don't know, he's been limping around practice. We mentioned our practice reports, but it looked like he'd been practicing, so we weren't... Right. I, I was surprised he wasn't here physically. Yeah. We didn't yeah. see him. And then Jeffrey Basso was, was hit on the field, and he went down... I uh, looked to the uh, on, on Twitter. I saw on three's reporter Jared Denny say that it was on his knee. Uh, he ended up coming back into the game. Uh, Chase Cota took an absolute howitzer to the chest, yeah. uh, left for a couple of plays. 
and then returned to the game on Oregon's next drive and then played for a majority of the snaps afterwards. So he seems like he's fine. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson made the trip but did not dress, uh, was in street clothes the entire time. Um, I think that's it. That's I think that covers it. it. The yeah. only other one is like, one of the coaches got carted off. I don't know if like, we didn't yeah. watch the television car, uh, broadcast. I have no idea if they showed that or what that was, but um, like it might have. I don't even. I don't even know. I pop that size. Who it was? No. Looked like somebody got carted off as a coach. So we'll follow up on that one this week if there's more on that. But no, I, I mean that is, I guess, one of the silver lining things here. And I think we should start trying to finish this podcast on some positives. But it, it does seem like, with the exception of Ryan Walk, and he was on. He was like riding a bike. On the sidelines, so like he was at least able to do something with was, his lower body. Yeah, like, he was on the sidelines for like, I don't, the majority I didn't, of that. I didn't, and I didn't see an injury, so like, I don't know. But like overall, Oregon came out of this relatively healthy, considering <laughs> the ass kicking it was. And I mean, that would have made things worse yeah. if he came out of this like, oh well, shoot, they're also down like four or five starters. Yeah, that would have been tough. Do we do, do we want to do some positives here? Do uh, yeah, we, I have think. We, have you done enough negatives? I think uh, from a positive standpoint. There's no like statistical data to back up Oregon's offense having a good day. I mean, 313 total yards. They didn't score a touchdown. They threw two interceptions. But I looked at that as it wasn't a scheme thing. The scheme worked. I agree. It, it was lack of execution by the players. And that was probably one of the biggest mysteries for all of us going into this game was who starts at quarterback? Who starts at running back? Who are the receivers? And how do they deploy all the talent that they have? And they did it against a really good team. We obviously saw that, that the vertical passing game, it was a little difficult. They, they maybe lacked that burner, the, the deep threat yeah. at, at receiver. Um, you can say what you want about running the football, but the game kind of got away from them where they had to maybe lean more on Bo Nix's arm than the run game. Um, but just from a, a pure X's and O's standpoint, it worked. It was just purely lack of execution that cost Oregon and and lack of talent. And lack of yes, like lack of talent. But the, they put their guys in open positions and they would get the ball, and then the speed of Georgia would would close in and shut things down. And so I walked away thinking like I liked the formations, I liked the areas of attack, I liked the way they they changed things up, the, the rotations of, of players. Mm-hmm. There was a lot to like offensively. There's just no data to back it up because the execution and the lack of talent against this team that they won't face ever again prevented them from really reaching their full potential. Well, they picked up a first down on all but one drive. Yeah. Um, like you go through the drive chart there, eight, eight the plays. Quarter, yeah, and that was like near the second to last drive of the game. Eight plays, six plays, seven plays, twelve plays, four plays, six plays, four plays, three plays, nineteen plays. Boy, nineteen, 19 plays. plays. I, I didn't realize I didn't, it went that long. That's Jesus. crazy. That's a long drive, and to get no points is kind of yeah, that's, that hurts. But but like in general, like yeah, like they and, and they were again they were good on third down at yeah. times. Like there were some seven positive. of fifteen. I mean that's not terrible. Um, Let's, let's talk about the offense stuff, and then we'll go to some defensive stuff, which we're probably going to have to talk about some negative stuff, to be honest, because I was, I'm a little concerned. But, like, okay, they rotated. They literally played all five running backs. Yep. All five of them carried the ball. Um, yes. All five of them carried it between three and seven times. Like, Bucky Irving starts the game, but he only has five carries. Like, they, they really are doing this purely by committee. I'm guessing they'll go through three or four games before kind of figuring out a more finite... I, I doubt maybe gonna, three, pair it down yeah, from five three, to three. Yeah, three, three, maybe they'll go four. I, I mean, the order of running backs on the field, I believe, was Irving, uh, Dollars, Dollars, Whittington, Cardwell, and then James came in the second half. So 
We talked about this kind of rotation thing. It bore out that way. They did play five guys. Receivers and tight ends, like all these guys played. I mean, Ferguson had the most targets with six, four catches, 37 yards, but a bunch of guys were targeted two to three to four to five times. Good to see Patrick Herbert and Cam McCormick play. Yep. Um, Sean Dollars, too. Sean Dollars, as well. These and Sean was the second back on the field. That yeah. was yeah. really surprising. I loved, I loved to see those guys who've been out for a while play, but like... They rotated through a lot of guys. Like we said, it was hard to get much of any um, sort of vertical pass success. But um, I liked the fact that they rotated through a lot of guys and, and, and seemingly had some success with most of the personnel packages in terms of finding something. Um, obviously, not nearly enough. But um, like I, I'm with you, Matt. Like I didn't think the offense, the offense is going to get kind of a bad break because you know they scored three points they didn't score a touchdown they only gained 300 yards i i feel okay about it i feel less okay about the defense just yeah. because it really felt like they were kind this of this was lost. supposed to be their strength yeah and it was their biggest weakness they couldn't stop anything yeah no. and they looked a little lost they looked slow i mean this is a defense that has you know you talk about the five star on the high four star talent like They've got quite a bit of it, and mm-hmm. it just was it was not up to snuff. And the other thing that I said on Twitter was, you know, and again, I, I, I posted it as kind of you either go glass half empty, glass half full. Glass half full is is the point that Matt, I don't know if we talked about this podcast, but made to me, which is, I think you did say in this podcast, is like Oregon's never facing a team anywhere near as good as Georgia. Yeah. It's just going to get better from here. It can't get worse. This is incredible. It's hard to really measure your team against a team like this because they are just so physically good. Kirby Smart, after the game. Yeah comes out and says, like, let's just be honest about it. We have better players. And he's yeah. of course he's right. I mean, and we, you know that. I mean, this was the number two, number three, number two? Two. Two composite team against oh, the number seven yes. composite team. Um, On it, paper, Oregon will blow away everybody else in terms of talent. That's the way it'll be the perception. We'll have to see if they can go do it. Right. Um, but I, mean, I just think the reality is, is that, like, they have work to do. They have a lot of work to do, and I, I was not encouraged by quite a bit of what I saw defensively. And the glass half empty angle is Dan Landing is a defensive head coach who's a great defensive coordinator. And his first game, the other team scored touchdowns on their first seven drives, converted their first nine third downs, and frankly did kind of whatever they wanted and did the same. I mean, and I guess the point Bennett Williams makes is like we kind of knew what they were they were going to do, and we just couldn't stop it. And so at, at that point, you just say like. This isn't as much on Dan Landing as it is on the personnel for not being able to defend this perimeter stuff. Or do you say he should be able to find some sort of solutions? I'm going to probably lean it's probably a little bit of both. He'll certainly say that. And that's what he said afterwards. But, um, you know, I think the defense was, was kind of a tough watch here because they just couldn't get off the field. And it yeah. felt like you saw – it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Oregon played Ohio State in the national championship and. The second half of that game, where it was just, where it was just like, it was just like the same. It felt like you saw Ezekiel yeah. Elliott with the same trap play like forty-five times in a row. This felt the same thing. It was like, oh, here comes Georgia doing the same thing. Oregon knows it's coming. They just don't have the athletes or the ability to stop it. Yeah, I mean, but that's what a good team does. Hundred percent. Of course. Like, yeah. You know, we we were there for when Oregon played Washington last year in the second half. They found something. They just kept going to it, yeah. and then they totally exploited it. Um, and that's exactly what Georgia did today. Uh, question: are, uh, are we looking for positives still? Because we started with the positives and then went really negative with the pretty fast on the defense. Well, we hadn't addressed defense. Well, I don't know if we can talk defense and there be positives. Yeah, but well, if you have yeah, one, please yeah, enlighten so, me. I mean, um, yeah, what do you got? Uh, I'm trying to think of defensive positives today. Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard sell. Uh, Christian Gonzalez didn't get beat deep. Uh, we uh, healthy. 
Yeah. Everybody's healthy. Yep. Uh, Justin Flo was like, he had stats. He was everywhere. He had he, stats. He, he, he was everywhere. missed some plays. He was um, lacking. The linebackers weren't great the in coverage. The linebackers were, were pretty, pretty bad today. Uh, I think that'll be a section in my machinations column at some point, either on Sunday or Monday. Um, yeah, defense. Uh, yeah, I mean the defense was just terrible today. Uh, it, it was pretty clear. It's pretty hard uh, to. I mean, it's, there there are very few positives. Um, I, I guess I was happy to watch them on the field. That was pretty cool. I haven't seen them in a while. Hey, one. Uh, uh, how about one tackle for loss? One tackle for loss. <laughs> very good. That's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> Sixty-two plays. Sixty-two plays. One, one of them. Uh, some, Sixty-two. Yeah, sixty-two plays. One of them resulted in a tackle for loss. I'm sorry. I'm being kind yeah. of. D- 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 you know. You're good. You're good. I, I. That's a huge positive. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that one. That one tackle. I, there was one play it where happened. they. Was there one play where where I could actually got a tackle for loss? It was just it was slow and it was on a run play. I remember it vividly because I was like, hey, it that's was such a, good a great play. play. I think it was in the first quarter too. It was very early on. Yeah, it was. It was. It felt big. I think it forced a third and like eleven, and then they scored. Then they probably scored on that play. No, probably not because all their first half touchdowns were short. Um, uh, uh, yeah. More positives? Camden Lewis. Field goal. I got a positive. He made it. No fumbles. No fumbles. Yeah. Ball security positive. was pretty good. Uh, and they had quite a... I mean, move this little fun out of the way here. Sorry, but... Uh, okay. How about 31 rushes, 140 yards, 4.5 yards per carry? That That's pretty good. That doesn't suck. I, 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 like, that I, is a positive. I was going to talk about that and that. It, you know, those running backs, they all seem pretty darn talented. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know who's going to be the number one guy... And that's okay, because I, I, there are moments from every running back where I'm like, okay, I can see this guy becoming a number one and being Oregon's starting running back next week. Um, but I think I think Sean Dollar surprised me today. I wasn't really sure what to expect from him because we haven't seen him play in a while. But he, he had the most yards from scrimmage of any player on the team today. He did. He had 40, 49. 49 total yards on... Uh, that's on, not good, fellas. On, <laughs> se- on seven touches for a seven yards per touch average. It's... That's pretty good. That's not, that's not awful. Uh, he's a bit undersized, but again, I mean, how often... You're not going to be playing a team built like Georgia today too often, if ever, especially not in the Pac-12. So there's that to think about. Yeah, I don't I don't really have a lot of positives. I got, I got one other positive, and then we you can, know me, and then we can start turn it around for next play. week. Um, good form tackle from Andrew Boyle, ah. the kickoff specialist. To stop a potential touchdown by Georgia on the excellent. first kickoff of the second excellent, half. Excellent. A good punt by Bonix. But Bonix had a what was the yardage on that? Thirty-three yards. Pretty Down solid. Pretty solid for for that. Yeah, and, and and I mean honestly, the special teams were fine. I didn't didn't see many problems. Camden Lewis hit his lone field goal. I, I pointed that earlier. Camden Lewis hit a field goal, thirty-five yards. Like there was some Adam Barry. Barry forty yards per punt. Not incredible, but not too bad. Two two of his three with inside the twenty. Not bad. Only punted three times or four times, I guess, with Bo. That's not. Well, okay. Barry only punted three. Yeah. Well, I was I forgot. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so I think there you go. To There's the positives list, Matt. <laughs> Do you have more? <laughs> no. Okay. It's not very good. Uh, I think to close this up, let's sh- shift now to what comes next. And my entire column on Duck Territory was about I don't think we can judge what we saw today until we know what happens in the next couple of weeks. Because yep. if if this team is is who we think they are, and they are a team that makes the Pac-12 championship game and has a chance to win the league and get to the Rose Bowl. Like they look, they don't have to look like unbeatable, really good next week against Eastern Washington and and you know take out BYU in convincing fashion. But we need to see that improvement. We need to see the team start taking that that step in growth. And if we don't, then in, in the next couple of weeks, if they're struggling to put away Eastern Washington. 
uh, or if they really have a dogfight with BYU or lose that game against BYU and then go to Washington State and have the same type of a situation, then it's time to start looking back at this going, wow, maybe that was a precursor to, to... What's to come, and there's major concerns here. They're not, you know, maybe Georgia isn't as good as we maybe anticipated. But if Oregon comes out looking pretty good, like I think you take away this is just Georgia's was really freaking good, and there's a big Uh talent gap. I thought it was kind of notable the demeanor from Dan Lanning didn't match what I expected. Yeah, he was very even keel in terms of like the energy was very similar to what he got in the week that kind of lead up to the game in his press conferences, where um, you know he. (laughs) <laughs> was it Tyson who made the Tyson Alger of IFF Corner made the joke that hey it was fun after a loss having the coach make eye contact because Mario Cristobal was typically kind of just looking down in, in a really <laughs> yeah, kind of angry <laughs> not in a happy mood um, we at least saw like Dan kind of like, like you, uh, the video will be up on DuckTerror.com we might have seen it before even listening to this of like like you know I, I don't know if I don't know if fans will like hearing this because I think a lot of people want to hear like oh they should all be like just devastated after this loss but he seemed encouraged in terms of like, okay, now we take the next step of evaluation, of improving, of getting better. Like it didn't feel like at all like this was a woe is me, like oh this is the end of the world. And obviously you would expect that in terms of like it would be problematic if that was his outlook after the first game. But like overall, like you got the sense that he is he sees like that there the big are picture. he sees a big yeah. picture and that there are and he said that he said like you know um, none of our goals for the season are, are, are completely lost now. Um, but I think he also sees that there are potentially solutions for a lot of what went down. And as we've established, like, shoot, Georgia's really freaking good. And they're not going to have a talent disparity like this all season. And it starts next week with Eastern. And I thought Bennett Williams and Alex Forsyth said kind of the same thing of, um, you know, you know, I asked Bennett about, like, are, are people doubting kind of the big picture? And he said no. And if they are, like, it's our job as leaders to kind of correct them and get them in the right direction. So um, I agree with Matt. I think we all do of, like, let's – I mean, I've seen some pretty disgusting, pretty not disgusting, but some pretty like, devastated Oregon fans on the message board, and I get it in the in the moment of fans being like, "This is unacceptable." Dan Landing is like costing Oregon, can, Oregon can, can we... all sorts of stuff like that. I, I just to finish the, I, I think like let's let's again. We said it before the season started. Let's get to like week six before we draw any like huge yeah. kind of. Let's get there. Let's what, let's see what happens after this. Oregon could win for the next five games and do really and impress in all those games, and we could nope. feel totally different. Can we gloat for a second? Because <laughs> okay. especially maybe you two more than me, because I predicted a heartbreaking loss, four point loss by Oregon. But we got railed over the coals for picking against Oregon in this game. Yeah, and I think that's why, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but we take a non biased approach to our reporting, and I think that's why I think our our reporting is pretty good, is because. Look, we all thought they'd lose, they lost. Maybe not in the fashion that we did, but like you just said, Eric, let's hold off expectations good, and now let's hold off on bad before we're writing off this program until we see a couple games. The trend is, is and again, not to, I don't want to like single out message board people because that feels like probably yeah. bad, especially for our business plan, but like I will say a lot of the people who are saying we're going to win every game are the same people after you lose a game that go, we're going to lose every game and this sucks, blah, 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 blah. If you set your expectations of, like, we're going to go out to Atlanta and beat a team that's more talented, that has a more experienced staff, that just won a national championship, and if we lose, that's going to be disappointing. Of course you're going to be upset. You're going to be upset a lot more when you lose 49-3. Everyone should be upset. That was really, really ugly. But if you go in thinking, hey, 
if they can keep it competitive, and if this game is a game where yeah. in the second half they're in contact, which obviously wasn't the case, that's all you want. Then you come across feeling a little bit differently about a loss like this. I think. I, mean, I don't think anybody's again. No one's happy about this. But I think if you set your expectations, and maybe this is maybe this is just a bad way of looking at the world of like you should set you should have realistic expectations so you won't be let down as much. But I think <laughs> in, in this rea- in, in this circumstance with yeah. a football team with a team that has so much newness and so much uncertainty. Like, we went in and said, we don't know about the secondary here. And yeah. I don't think they perform very well. Yeah. We don't know about this team, you know, from a linebacker perspective. We've always talked about how good they are on, on, in terms of stopping the run. Like, we've had concerns about how they would perform. I didn't think it would be this ugly in space, but, like, some of the stuff that were concerns, I mean, Bo Nix, you first on the first podcast, you call him Bo Picks. Like it's it's been there. That's you're, is, you're not you're not the is, one who came up with that nickname. No. And, no, no, and no. so these things are present. And you know it was a perfect storm against a really good team. But like I do think like let's chill out a little bit. I know fans are probably really like disappointed as they should be. At the same time, like let's give it let's give it some time. Let's see if they turn it around. Let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks, and let's see what happens by the time you get to the bye week in terms of kind of really making any two you know big broad picture kind of assessments. If they're if they're like two and four going into the bye week, then yeah, then we, we have, have some problems. We have big problems. We have big yeah. problems, but like they could very easily be four and two, five and one going into that bye right. week, and we're feeling completely differently. Yep. And to go back to Matt's original point, it's like this is we have just have to cool our jets. Everybody's yeah. got to calm down and, and and look at from a large perspective and a big picture idea. Again, this is a team that won the national championship last year. I understand they lost their players, but like I said earlier on this podcast. They still have a bunch of dudes. You can go look at the talent composite on 24-7 Sports and realize that they are you know, technically the second most talented team in the country behind Alabama, who lost in the national championship game and gave Georgia, and they, well, they beat Georgia in the regular season. Yeah. So it, the, those two teams and Ohio State are clearly head above the shoulders of everybody, in, frankly, in college football in terms of what they have talent-wise. And yes, I understand Oregon beat Ohio State last year. And yes, I understand that we all predicted for Ohio State to win or against Oregon last year, um, they were pretty damn close to winning. And I think th- this was a game where, I mean, everybody who watched the game knows that, that Georgia was just a much more talented team. There wasn't any competition there. It was Oregon you know, trying their best and actually doing well for periods against the Georgia defense, which is encouraging. And then you know, the interceptions came, and that was about it. And that's kind of what happens when you play a team like this. If you can hang around long enough, if you can make the game ugly, and if your defense can win, um, positional matchups are on third down. If they can make a punt more than once an entire game, then you got a shot. But that was not happening tonight. There was no chance of it. Um, and you just, we just have to look at this from a big picture and take a step back because, like, like both Matt and Eric said, if they're four and two or five and one, um, then this is a completely different narrative. This is something where you go into uh, an away game against I don't know what, at what point of the season that would be if they're five and one through six games. Are you asking Cal? Out. What comes Cal? after the bye? That's what I thought. Yes, you're right. Yeah, if you're looking at a Cal game, then you're like, okay, that's a, that that could be a six and one depending on how Cal is doing this year. And you know, you look down the line, and all of a sudden it's it's a UCLA at home, it's a Utah at home. You get these big games where maybe Oregon only has one loss, and their one loss is to Georgia, who. Frankly, if any, if you guys watch the game tonight, you'll see that they're probably one of the best teams in the country again. Yes. And that's okay to lose to a team like that. I know it, it stinks. 49-3 to three is never what you want to see on your score app or anything like that when you're watching or you get home. Just want to see how the Ducks did. That's probably the worst thing you could pull up if you want to do that. But 
again, this is ex- just an extremely talented Georgia team who performed well, who executed well, who is clearly more experienced in a game like this. And, yeah, so that's, uh, that's all I got. I, I think that's about it for me. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Until we talk to you on Monday with the mailbag, remember, send in those questions. You've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.